Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. You know, our clients come to us because they have hiring PTSD. They've just made so many hiring mistakes that it's now become kind of a, a, a significant pain point. And they come to us because they're now afraid, you know, to do it themselves. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and earn more. My name is Geraldine Carter. My guest today is Aaron Longmoon, owner of Zephyr Recruiting. Aaron is on a mission to eradicate toxic workplaces. She believes that everyone deserves to love their job and contribute to a greater purpose. Zephyr Recruiting is renowned for matching great small businesses with their right fit employees. Erin Longman, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Geraldine. So we're talking today because accountants and CPAs are super busy and I see all over social media that they're hiring. And because most business owners have, you know, are not necessarily pros at hiring and don't, don't know all the ins and outs. It's very easy to make hiring mistakes. And for those of us who have hired in the past and made a mistake, we know just how painful it is. So I wanted to bring you on the podcast today to talk about four common hiring mistakes that business owners make and what to do instead. All right. You got it. All right. So let's dig in with number one. All right. We're going right for it. What's the most common hiring mistake that people make? Yeah. The first one is hiring someone you know, or someone who was referred to you by someone you know well. Now, before I go into why this is a mistake, I do want to say that this is contrary to what a lot of people say. You should get referrals and go to your network. And I'm not saying that's actually wrong. But what happens is that oftentimes someone says, hey, you know, like my great colleague, so-and-so would be great for you. And so then you put on these beautiful rose-colored glasses and you look at them through the lens of, well, they were referred to me by a trusted resource, so I don't have to vet them. And I'm going to look at them um, more uh, subjectively than objectively. So we end up hiring these people thinking they're going to be great without doing the due diligence, without vetting them like they should. Ooh, that sounds like you could get into trouble. Plus, then you've now hired somebody who's either like a family member or a friend of a family or a cousin. or And then all of a sudden, if you need to turn around and let them go, you're like, oh, crap, this person got referred. Yes, it can be very messy. And this just happened 
to, to someone that I know very well. And, you know, she was like, well, they were referred by someone in my network and they just totally tooted their horn and said they were amazing. And within one week, they could tell that they did not have the skill set they needed. They were not going to be a good culture fit and it just backfired. And then it was awkward, super awkward. So the solution is not to necessarily don't go to your network. That's okay. But get someone else who can have an objective approach, vet them, interview them, look at them, put them through a whole hiring process. And then if they pass that objective person's process, then it, that's when you should step in as the owner and get to know them and see if they're a good fit for you. Okay. So make sure you've got somebody else who can be objective about it so that you're not showing up with your own rose colored glasses. Okay. What's number two? Okay. Number two, hiring primarily for skills, education, and experience. Wait, what? You're not supposed to hire primarily for skills, education, and experience? <laughs> <laughs> I said primarily. Yeah. So you know the drill, right? We get the really impressive resume that comes across your desk, right? And especially in, I think, the accounting world, right? There's firms that have reputations, schools that have reputations. And if you see a resume with all those really great firm experience or the right schools, you're just like, they must be a rock star. I need to hire them, right? The problem is, is that there's so much more to having a right fit on your team than just those things. And so then you tend to not look at things like culture fit, core values fit, personality fit, team dynamics and how they're going to get along with your team. So if you just look at skills and experience, you're missing so much and it always backfires. I mean, I want to tell you 90 something percent, it backfires. So how does it backfire? What's it look like when it gets ugly? Oftentimes, so some of the stories, common stories I hear is you hire these like top talent A players it just because that's who they are. They come in and especially in smaller businesses, they tend to railroad over the team. So, and it's, they legitimately maybe come with experience and knowledge, right? That's like way high up here. Um, and so they don't necessarily mean to do this in an intentional way, but they often come in and sort of own the show. And so then other team members tend to either get upset because they feel like they're being railroaded by this new person who just came in or they cower down and then they stop rising up and being their best selves. Right. So a number of things can play out there, but I just hear over and over again where it becomes a to it ends up becoming kind of a toxic workplace and then people don't like coming to work. And then you can lose some of your great people all because you just hired this one great rock star. <gasps> That is the worst when you hire a new person and that chafe people the wrong way and then you lose your other really great experienced talent. Oops. Yeah, big oops, big oops. The other thing that really backfires too is oftentimes these people um, come with high ambition, right? And small business owners, smaller business firms often have a limit, right, of how far you can go. So they tend to get bored. They tend to check out eventually um, and often leave, you know, for some something that's bigger because they just have a very high level of ambition. And on some level, you know, on paper that looks good, but how it plays out in a small business often is not the right sort of dynamic that you want. It's really disruptive. Exactly. So the solution is you have to figure out your culture. You have to figure out your core values. You have to understand who's going to be the best fit for your company. And that is a different person than who's going to be the best fit for another firm down the street or a big firm or a 
corporate level firm, right? Like you have a unique profile of that employee who's going to work well with you and your company and your team. And you have to figure that out first. And then when you interview, of course, interview for that as well as the skills and the experience and the education. Okay. So we might've just lost a bunch of CPAs and accountants who are like, wait, culture, what? All we do is crunch numbers around here. (laughs) We don't have culture. (laughs) That's so not true. That's so not true. It's it's too squishy. That's way too squishy for us. I'm (laughs) sorry. I know it is. I get you. And, but the, the truth is, is everybody has culture. Even if you've never done any work around this or even thought about it, every company has a culture. It's just, you know, it, we all have core values. Even if we don't do core values work, we have them. We live by them every day. And it's the same thing with your company. You've got core values that are driving your team, whether you know it or not, you have a culture. And the thing is, is if your culture is, I don't know what's, give me some ideas of, of what a, a typical culture of a firm would be for like your clients. Sure. So you could have it where it's pretty laid back and the owner is pretty hands off and you do your thing on your own time frame. Right. Or you could have it where the owner is super hands on and everybody's like focused on point on task. Right. Big variation. Big variation. So here's the thing. Neither is right or wrong. And that's the case always. There is no wrong culture. There's no right culture. You have your culture. You just have to identify that and then try to find people who are going to align and resonate with that culture. Um, you know, unless you want a disruptor, you know, which intentionally can be something you're looking for too, but that's a whole other podcast. But really you want people who are aligned. So if you are highly professional, nose down, detail oriented, everybody just gets in, gets their job done and leaves, don't hide that. That's what you're looking for. Someone who will thrive in that culture. And the person who will thrive in that culture will just do it, you know, be terrible in that laid back, hands off culture, right? Without very much structure and without a lot of processes, they're not going to excel. So it's, you do need to take some time and identify this kind of cultural profile of your business. Well, it makes perfect sense. But the thing that it makes me think is that it's one of those things that you can't see because you're a fish in your own water and you have no idea by sort of objective comparison, the other ways that it could be. Because if you're the business owner, you've just sort of built it around yourself and your own personality and whatever works. And you don't have anything to contrast it with because you're not in other people's businesses to know like, oh, this is how they do it over here. This is really interesting. So what, you know, what I'm hearing that is like, if you can't figure out your own culture, which sounds like one of those things that's really hard to do on your own, then get some help and have somebody help you figure out what your culture is because they can see it from the outside looking in. Yes, they can. And using and and leveraging your team for that too, you know, because they're in a different set of shoes than you are. And I, I would imagine if you went to your team members and said, you know, what are, I don't know, 10 words you would use to describe our culture, most of them would come up with some words, right? And then you're looking for consistencies between them. Gotcha. And and that is often where you've got some alignment in the culture. And then you have to decide, yeah, is that the kind of culture you want? Or, you know, there's all, again, another podcast. I mean, culture in and of itself is a whole other conversation, but... But when it comes to hiring, you need to have someone who's going to work well in your culture. Otherwise, it just will never work. Okay. Awesome. It's like oil and water. Okay. So let's move on to number three. Yes. Number three, not having a hiring or recruiting strategy. So hopefully this will resonate well with CPAs. I don't know. Strategy, is that a good word? All right. (laughs) So you often, so you want to think of recruiting when you have an open position, the process is kind of like a project. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end, right? 
So you need to think of it that way. If you were going to dive into a project, what's the strategy you're going to use to achieve that outcome? What are the tactical steps, you know, that you're going to lay out? What's the roadmap? And you need, you know, again, in order to be successful with recruiting and hiring the right people, you need to have that strategy laid out and not just in your head. Ideally, you're using, you know, even if it's just paper, if that's the best tool you've got, but there are other great tools. We uh, use Trello before we went fully digital here in-house and it was a great tool. And then there's Monday, there's all sorts of things, but think of it as a project and lay out the steps. And then a big challenge too about recruiting, which goes in alignment with this is slowing down the recruiting process too. You have to think about your objectives, again, who you really need in this role, come up with a profile. That's what we do. We come up with a best fit employee profile. And it's really important that you do that. You want to look at who your competitor, like what's your competitors doing? If the employee is not going to come work for you, they're going to go work for someone else. So what's great about you, right? And that you can really highlight so that you're pulling in those right people and they're not going to your competitors. There's a lot that has to go into thinking about the strategy, but take that step back and, and do that. So how do you know if you're operating without a strategy? What's like, what are the symptoms oh, of that yeah. disease? <laughs> oh my gosh, I need a new accountant and I need them now. So, okay, what was that job post that we posted last time, two years ago? Great. And then you get on Indeed and you copy paste it in and you go live and you put $50 behind it. And then you just see what happens as it rolls in. Like that is what most employers do, right? And they might go on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm hiring. Like you mentioned that at the beginning, right? A lot of people are using to get the word out. That's all they're doing, right? There's no real strategy. Then the person comes in and they're like, oh, this person looks great. Let's have an interview. Who should interview them? I don't know who's available. I'm available. I can do the interview this time. And then who interviews the next one two weeks from now? You know, it's totally different person. And, you know, so it's just completely disconnected, completely disjointed. There's no structure to it. There's no methodology to it. And, you know, I know CPAs like, well, I say this, this could be a bias, but compliance stuff, right? Like I'm assuming compliance is a big deal in CPA's world. That's the other thing is that kind of a, a strategy, the non-strategy strategy can get you in trouble with compliance yeah. as well. Because if you have a candidate who is going through a totally different interviewing process than another candidate for the same job, now you've opened yourself up to potential discrimination, right? Like one candidate can say, well, I, you know, and it's not common. I'm not going to try to, I don't want anybody losing sleep over this, but it happens and, and it can happen. So having a strategy and then it's, it needs to be consistent with every candidate that you decide to vet for that role through that hiring process. And that's the other reason why strategy is so helpful because it gives you that roadmap. It gives you that framework to do that. So that sounds like it could be potentially risky. Like you're just opening yourself up mm -hmm. to risk that you do not want to bring upon yourself. And the truth is right now, we're in very sensitive times about compliance, right? Because things are going on in our cultural climate. So a lot more lawsuits are being initiated and that kind of thing, right? So you really do want to have a very dialed up process to, to mitigate that risk. Okay, awesome. We love that. And since we're throwing around stereotypes about CPAs while they're not in the room, we know that CPAs tend to be risk averse. <laughs> so let's just keep going, right? <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go to then number four. What is the fourth most common mistake that people make in the hiring process? It's kind of twofold. Not following this 
strategy that you've now spent the time doing that. But then also the second layer of that is not doing your full due diligence when you're vetting a candidate, skipping steps in the strategy. And oftentimes this happens because we're trying to fast track someone through, right? Like you've got this immediate hiring need. It's really dire. You've got 1099s that are a week away from being due or whatever, right? And you've got this immediate need. So you just fast track someone. Now, if you got that, maybe you need to do that just to get through. But the truth is, is it will backfire. So you just need to be prepared for that. So don't skip the steps. Do your full due diligence. And I definitely want to include that you need to do reference checks. And a lot of people skip reference checks because it's time consuming and because people don't get back to you and you have to call them three, four times. I mean, it's a pain in the rear. But if you do them correctly, if you ask the right kinds of questions and you contact the right people, then they can be extremely helpful. And it's kind of like giving you that 360 degree view of this candidate. You can't otherwise get that view. And some red flags may come up that are really you know, important to know. The other thing about fast tracking just to back up, it's not always just the side of missing a red flag. It's also you can actually decline someone who might have been awesome and you missed it because you didn't have that deeper dive interview or because you didn't contact the references or, you know, if so if you're skipping steps, you could both miss red flags that are critical or you could actually miss out on a really amazing candidate. I remember doing reference checks and I always found them so valuable because you get to read between the lines of what they say and what they don't say and the quality of the reference. Yeah. <laughs> says a lot. Definitely. So yeah, there's a strategy behind reference checks, which is what you're kind of pulling up. Yeah. So that needs to be a part of the strategy roadmap that you create too, is what is the reference checks strategy. One of the threads that I'm hearing that's running throughout all of this is like in every one of these pieces, slow down and being in a rush is a bad ingredient for your hiring process. Very bad. Hire, what do they say? Hire slow, fire fast. That is, yeah. you know, yes. I think most people wait to, they wait until they're like fully, like they can't come up for air to hire. Right. right? Like they're so drowning and they're like, I can't keep up. I can't keep up. And now I have to hire and hiring is a huge project that takes a ton of time. Plus then you've got to get the person on board and up to speed. Yes. How long should you allocate or kind of like forecast out for the hiring process? In this industry, for these listeners, I would say a minimum two months. Three months is better. Oh my God, okay. I will tell you, just to just to like help um, put things in perspective because all things are relative. If we were having, if, if most of your listeners were in construction, I would say nine months. Wow. Yeah, so it depends on your industry. It depends on the unemployment rate within your industry. It also depends on where you are. If you are in a rural community outside of a big city that's too far to commute, you need even longer than that, right? So you, it, it, it varies. Aries, but I would, you know, you need to give it a decent amount of time, really. Yeah. Okay. And then that's two months to the hire date, it yes. sounds like. So then there's training after that that you've got to think about. If, yeah, if you need someone like fully up and to speed by a specific date, you know, let's say tax time or, you know, year end or something like that, then you do need to back out of that. How long is your training? Let's say it's a four week training process. And then you've got just the, you know, the first week to just get them onboarded and familiar with your team and your certain processes. So that's five weeks. And then add on another two weeks for, or two months, excuse me, for the actual recruiting process. So you can back out of it if you've got a specific date, target date. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to bring somebody on board February 1st, let's just say for pretend you're looking at starting the hiring process at the latest, the start of November. So you're planning for that 
sometime in September-ish. Correct. All right. And I would even say October only because you're now going into the, your example goes into holiday season, which brings a whole other host of- Right, 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 right. Hiring grinds to a halt in the holidays. A halt. Yep. One of the challenges as a business owner, when you hire somebody is it's like taking a pay cut because now you've you're taking some of the revenue that would normally go to you and now you're paying somebody else. And it's easy to think of it that way. And I'm wondering if you run into hiring somebody at a lower pay range because they're cheaper Mm -hmm. and you want to hire somebody who's less expensive, but you end up hiring less quality. Whereas if you hired somebody, let's just pretend at 75,000 compared to 50, you'd bring somebody on who was already up to speed or who would be a better fit and would end up saving you time and money, but you've got to get over the mental hurdle that they're more expensive. Right. Is that a problem? It can be big one. It's not as complicated or it's not as simple as just that, just the money. Um, Because you know, you have to think if like if you've got the bandwidth and the manpower to bring someone in at sort of a lower level, less experience, let's say, and but they're still a great culture fit, right? We're we're gonna make an assumption here that you are now going to hire for culture fit, right? Everybody. So assuming that (laughs) then and but you have the bandwidth and the training tools and and like the manpower to elevate that person up to where you need them to be and promote from within and that kind of thing that actually really can help retention. But you have to have those things. And the truth is small business owners often don't, you know, they're, they're, they're running like, you know, a chicken with their head cut off and their team is tapped and, you know, that kind of a thing. So in some cases, yes, it's going to be better to bring someone in who has the experience to just, you know, hit the ground running for you if you need and to pay the money to get that kind of person in could be critical to your operations, right? So you kind of have to really determine what your capabilities are and what you really need. You know, if you need a senior level person because they're really the only ones who can handle the high level tax complexities of your clientele, bringing in someone at 50K who's more entry or even five years in isn't going to do it for you and it will be a big pain point, right? So it's kind of a depends answer, really. Let's talk briefly about as business owners it's sometimes we can get in our own way by not delegating and not outsourcing. But when we do finally delegate or we think of outsourcing, like I'll outsource somebody to build my website. I don't know how to build a website. I'll, you know, I'll outsource. You could think of things that you're going to outsource because you clearly have no expertise in HTML and WordPress. Right. But I don't think a lot of people immediately think of outsourcing hiring because they kind of think they think they can handle it themselves, which, you know, they can do it well enough. But clearly, if you outsource it and have somebody do it who knows what they're doing, it would seem to pay off. It would save time, just like outsourcing lots of, like in the same way that we outsource all kinds of other things. What do you think gets in the way of business owners working with somebody like you to help them staff fill important roles in their business? I think there's a number of things. One, you hit upon it's, it seems on the surface, like a task you can do yourself, right? Like it's like we kind of outlined before, throw the job description out, you know, onto the internet, you know, the internet and your social media interview and you've, you're done. The thing is, is, you know, it is, it is an industry and a career path by, for a reason, right? There's, there's a expertise that goes into doing it correctly 
building hiring strategy is complicated and it needs to take into, if you really want to be successful, it needs to take into a number of factors, including your competition and what's going on in the job market and the unemployment rate. And I mean, there's a lot of things that we recruiters are watching all the time because it's our expertise, right? And I'll be truthful. An analogy I can come up with is I can quote air quotes, do my own bookkeeping, right? Like I can go into QuickBooks, I can add the invoice, I can take, right? But am (laughs) I going to mess my books? up royally, like royally, right? So I need to outsource that. And it's really actually a really fitting analogy. It's very similar. Can you do it? Sure. But are you going to mess it up royally? Not everybody, but most, most, unfortunately, you know, our clients come to us because they have hiring PTSD. They've just made so many hiring mistakes that it's now become kind of a, a, a significant pain point. And they come to us because they're now afraid, you know, to do it themselves. The other reason why I think kind of prevents people from doing it is unfortunately our industry has a bad reputation and I actually am in agreement with that reputation. I just recently wrote an article that the recruiting industry is a racket and it is a racket. And I, you know, I could go all into the reasons why, but it's because, you know, the main gist of it is because it's a sales job. Most recruiting firms, it's a sales job. They are trying to fill quotas, period, end of subject, that's it. So they're not going to care enough about that right fit, who is really the right fit for you. They are going to sell you on someone who, it, it just, the one who's available, because the faster they close the job, the faster they earn their commission. Now, we're very different than that. And, you know, I can go into that. But I think that, that so unfortunately, it has a terrible reputation of not being effective, n- not really working, especially for small business owners. It just really doesn't work well for small business owners. So you've got that piece and then the piece of, well, I probably can just do this myself. And I also think people don't realize that that there are other options too, right? There are outsourced options. Not very many, but there are. Gotcha. You know, especially like us, we're geared towards small business owners specifically. It's how my whole model was made up on serving the small business employer um, and their needs and their challenges. So, you know, there, there are some solutions, but not very many. What makes you different? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, we are a very, we don't do it as a sales job. It's not a commission only job for our people. Our people, we get paid, uh, we pay our people for providing a service not necessarily an outcome. Now, with that being said, is there an outcome? There is, right? So it's kind of like your tax preparation, right? So you get the the, the outcome uh, is filing your taxes, but what someone's really paying you for is the service of doing that extremely well, right? Saving them as much money as you can, helping them avoid compliance problems, pitfalls, all those things that CPAs do. So it's very similar. We turned this into a service and the way we get paid is it's a flat fee, no matter the role. So it could be your senior role, make 150K, or it could be your junior person coming in at 40K. It's the same flat fee. And our people are not committed to filling fast. We're committed to filling with the right person with that best fit for your company. So, you know, we're into, it's quality. We're looking for that. And um, we consider ourselves matchmakers and we're going back to that culture fit. We're taking all that culture fit stuff we already talked about into consideration. Those are some of our key differences. 
Gotcha. You're doing all the things, avoiding all the mistakes that you just talked about and all the painful results. And you only let me talk about four mistakes, right? There's probably like <laughs> 10 more and we are definitely <laughs> mitigating all of them. Yes. <laughs> this is super helpful. If um, people want to find out more about you and your company, where can they find you? They can find us on our website, which is ZephyrRecruiting.com. And for those who don't know, Zephyr is Z-E-P-H-Y-R. So ZephyrRecruiting.com. Excellent. And I think you have an assessment or tell me what you have on your website for people that I think would be really useful. Yeah, we've got a few different tools, but I think the one that would be most fitting probably for your group right now is our interview questions. We have a list of 25 interview questions that are uh, for culture fit. So they're very specific to helping you suss out that culture piece that we talked about. And so if you just go to our homepage, scroll down a little bit, you'll see it there and you can download that. And then for listeners who want the four most common hiring mistakes and what to do instead, you've got a PDF that you're going to give to me that people can download from the show notes in of this episode. Definitely. Excellent. Love it. Aaron Longmoon, thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Aaron, for coming on the podcast. It seems like hiring a good fit would be straightforward, but think about it. What is any business owner's single most common complaint? Staff and finding good people. When finding the right fit for your company is important, you might as well leave it to the pros. You can find links to the 25 interview questions as well as the PDF of the four most common hiring mistakes and what to do instead in the show notes for this episode. If you're a CPA who is ready to drop hourly billing so that you can build great relationships with your clients, but you're not sure where to start, take my free five-day email course, Better Pricing Strategies for CPAs. It's free, it's easy to follow, and you can find it at my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. After five days, you'll have a clear idea of how to transition off of the scourge that is hourly billing. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.